Welcome everybody to M Class Email. I'm Jeff. I'm Josh. And we I love was burping. Sorry. Oh, gross. Fuck. Oh no. Yeah, I know. Humans are gross. And we love reading your emails. So that's oh, is that what, what we're doing. So that's what we're gonna do. And Sweet. I would like to start off this email episode by reading an email from David S. that he has sent twice now. This is the third time. <laughs> okay, I guess we should read it. Um, it got cut out of one episode due to audio issues and didn't show up in my email box the next time when I went to go read it. So, <laughs> Third time's a charm unless something happens to the audio. <laughs> no it, promise. It is entitled, Let's Try This Again. Nice. <laughs> I get it. Add an old media too. Electric. Hope this gets recorded a loo. <laughs> and right. I'm supposed to do the accent of just a good old boy. Man, they love making you be that guy. They really do. I have multiple. Just a good old Jeff. <laughs> gonna read some emails. I uh, have multiple good old boy accents for just such an occasion. <laughs> Hey, Ma, look it. It's them air Trek boys come around the bend. Let's cut them off at the pass. Damn, we're getting cut off at the pass? Shit, that means we're going to probably die. I don't know. <laughs> now I got you Trek boys right where I want you, which is anywhere at any time because I pay at least $1 a month to the M-Class Patreon. Sweet commercial. After visiting patreon.com slash M-Class podcast and becoming a patron, I got access to extra podcasts and an exclusive gold-sealed starling arrow through the hat invitation to the darkest, <laughs> deepest, most double-click den, a ne'er-do-wells this side of the wormhole, the M-Class Discord. Wow, you read the shit out of that. I did fuck it up. It's the most double-dicked den of ne'er-do-wells. Oh, whatever. I couldn't tell from your amazing good old boy accent. <laughs> if you can clog an outhouse with a whiz, or blow a bubble with chewing tobacco, you might just fit in with these varmints so tough it'll make your mama say, Boys, your mama's about to sell the whole farm just to get felt up by the constant activity fingered by the fresh jokes and Klingon <laughs> spit roasted by the sincere camaraderie one can Damn. only find in the M-Class Discord. Well, now I have a boner, so... <laughs> I appreciate the reference. That was good. Anyhow. <laughs> There's another one. I was thinking about how many people back in the 21st century enjoyed literature and plays from centuries before. I'm wondering what video games, movies, or other media from the 21st century have strong enough stories or experiences to endure into this current 24th or whatever century. Have y'all checked out the Halo 69 holodeck experience? <laughs> yes, it is just sex with Cortana. I can't believe the Crazy Rich Asians anthology of Hollow novels is still going strong. <laughs> Old Ma still loves her a classic session of The Office anytime we get the opportunity. <laughs> Which is also just sex with Cortana, weirdly. <laughs> it's just sex with Jim from The Office. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he does that look every time you finish. <laughs> look look at the camera. Yeah. Stop doing that. Stop looking at the camera, You're Jim. You're ruining You're it. Weirding me out. Look me in the eyes, Jim, not the camera. <laughs> So what media from the 21st century or the 20th century will, is right. going to survive until the 24th century? Probably not a whole lot of video games, right? No. We, we, we came to this rough decision the first yeah. time we read through this that like video games are probably not going to survive. They're, 
they're kind of an expendable media as it is. Right. Like, I feel like just for, like, fun and leisure's sake and, like, a nostalgia type of thing, like, games from, like, the 80s and 90s might survive a little bit better. Sure, perhaps. Because, I mean, they've survived till now. But, like, PlayStation games haven't, for the most part. Right. There would be, like, a catalog of them in the computer, but, like, why would anyone play them? I think I don't think that like like a lot of times when we play Nintendo and Super Nintendo games we're like nostalgia-ing. We're like, "Oh, I remember when these came out. I was 6. I love it." But like why would somebody from like 2370 be like, "Oh, I love this." They could just go to the holodeck and yeah. like fuck Cortana. I often, <laughs> I often wonder why people younger than us get into those old games. I guess cuz they're just solid. They're just fun games. Yeah. Yeah, they're just they're they're very simple, and that's like that's an art in and of itself, Cause, right? Because like, people get into those type of games who've never owned even a system somewhere right. close to them. Right, they're they're way too young to have been alive. Yeah, you know, it's just does that make sense? There's like a, they're way too young to have been alive. To have been alive. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a solidness to those games, like a simplicity and a solidness that yeah. makes them sort of endlessly replayable. But if you can yeah. go into the holodeck and be Indiana Jones, like why would you? You're gonna do that? Yeah, you're not gonna. I feel like Indiana Jones is definitely gonna have a second life as a holodeck adventure series. Hell yeah! It's like a live. It's like a live action video game. Like it's like Pitfall the game, yeah. right? That would be amazing. Like anything that could be translated into an experience that you're just sort of shoved into as the main character. Yeah. A la, like, the holodeck adventures of Tom Paris. <laughs> right. Those will I have survive. A, I have, this is sort of a question that sort of ties in with the problem I have with, like, Ready Player One, where, like, they go into the Oasis and they're, like, sitting there in their, as their character playing a game. And it's like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, why the fuck would you do that? Yeah, you <laughs> like, can you do can, anything. You can do whatever the existence. fuck you want. And then they go into, like, a holodeck type of simulation, but they, like, have to recite the lines from the movie well. And it's like, but why would you do that? Yeah, why would you give a fuck about like, that? You can do you whatever would, you want. Yeah, you would, what's the first thing you do in any game? You try to break it, right? You, like, walk to the edge, and you, like, look around, and you do shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why would you do any... Why would you do what you're supposed to do? You wouldn't. Let me boot up my Golden Girls t- 2000... <laughs> Holosuite program where I have to get all of Dorothy's lines right, or else yeah. the game restarts on me every time. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta talk like Betty White, or else I lose points. Like, who cares? <laughs> Fuck that. Um, there are certain movies that are gonna sure. last. Like when we recorded this the first time, Parasite had just won Best Picture. Yeah. Like, Parasite is going to survive. Like, a lot of best right. pictures that aren't just, like, fucking war movies are going to survive. Yeah, like, art, like, art, artfully done movies. Like, yeah, they're, they're, like, that's the thing. Like, movies, it's like, kind of like paintings. Like, so, like, there's, like, some paintings that have lasted through whatever circumstance, right? And, like, I'm sure the same could be said about movies in the future. I mean, maybe some of them were lost. Like, that's happened many times in the history yeah, of film. For Movies sure. have been lost. I mean, there are those that are going to stay for longer. Like, they watch something in Enterprise in the episode we yeah. saw, the Dear Doctor episode. Was it Casablanca? Yeah, they watched I, it's, it's either like, Casablanca or uh, Gone with the Wind. Like, I don't remember, but, like, both yeah. of those movies are going to survive. Right. It's right. like just, the yeah. classics are going to survive. It makes me wonder, like, what niche topics are going to survive, though. Because, like, I like silent comedies, like, silent comedy movies a lot. Yeah. 
like uh like those probably would survive because of what they did for film you know maybe but it's like it's sort of a niche thing to be into these days like i right. like not a lot of people watching harold lloyd or buster keaton movies you mean harold fun. zoid i don't dr, Zo- dr. zoidberg's uncle that. oh although every time i ever talk about harold lloyd someone does bring that up <laughs> that's the only reason anybody knows who he is <laughs> unfortunately um, unless you're into silent old movies, yeah. Unless you're into silent old movies, uh, that's why. That's what makes me wonder if, like, like I don't like silent horror movies or silent action right. movies or silent dramas. It's all yeah, comedy silent works. comedies. Yeah, it works that way. There's like a level of humor that doesn't get used very often. That's all visual. Yes, that it's car- it's very cartoon like. It is very cartoon like. That's why I'm so into it. And a lot yeah. of gags from cartoons came from, from like that. Buster Keaton movies. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of movies that would be, I think, still remembered, but, like, not, like, in my head, like, they're not going to be as culturally important or, or even discussed daily. Like, nobody's going to talk about movies in, in the Star Trek future. No. They got bigger problems. Well, in, they, in got, Voyager, they got bigger things. In Voyager, when they go back to the 90s, the fucking alternate not Star Trek 90s that we yeah. lived through, yeah, they pick up tv channels and they're all like what is this yeah they're like what the fuck is this and tom yeah. paris is explains it to them and they're like oh but why and he's like it's like to fill your time yeah yeah pretty yeah. much it's fill your time until you die yeah and then and then they're like that's dumb yeah, they're like why would you watch this instead of just doing things yourself which is like yeah i don't know that's a that's a very boomer viewpoint to have like why it's, would you, why yeah. would you watch tv when you can go out and experience the world it's where, funny because like, like they're on television yeah exactly right? like they're they're making the show experiencing yeah. the world is great but you can't fucking do it all the time it costs a lot of money well, that's, so. but that's but that's the thing it doesn't cost money for them True. so they can just go to like sao paulo they can go to fucking angel falls right yeah. they can go anywhere Anything they want. you want to do like yeah. i'm sure most people on earth before they die have seen all the great things that but, earth has yeah, They've gone to the pyramids. Eyes. They've gone to the Great Wall of China. They've seen all that shit, yeah, right? By like, the time you die, you've gone to every yeah. cool place on Earth, I'm sure. Right. If you just stay on Earth the whole time. But you don't even right. have to do that. You can go to the fucking, like, firefalls on Vulcan and see Yeah, you can you go want. wherever you want. Yeah. Amazing so places. You? you can go get a Horgon and get, like, three-weight on Ryza, dude. Yeah. Like, I love... I watched that episode the other day, actually, because I was just watching through TNG episodes. With Vaj. And, like, three or four different women sit down and they're like, so you trying to fuck or what? Yeah, and Picard's like, I'm reading this fucking book. I'm trying to read my book. <laughs> Get out of here. You're standing in my light. <laughs> um, oh, man. So, like, not a ton of stuff is going to survive in a way that affects life. In any sort of heavy manner, I think. Yeah, we we also put, I think, a lot more emphasis on this stuff in our culture and, like, with what we do, what me and you do and stuff. We we talk about movies a lot, obviously. Yeah. Mostly because it's part of the show and also we like that stuff as friends. But, like, in the future, like, you can't even, like, who knows, like, what how people are going to feel about something. It could change, like... Who who even knows, man? It's like true. it could just it could be a, a, whatever. We could like, at a certain point discover that watching movies actually brainwashes us, right? And, and then we at that never point, knew yeah. it, <laughs> right? 
It's the right. world can I mean, change in giant upheaving ways without us yeah, knowing, who, and like who knows? Maybe it'll who change knows? for the better, like Star Trek, and maybe it'll change for the worse, like now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to reality, suckers. <laughs> Old Uncle Chug's wig bootstrap has been getting trashed at Pork's Bar playing Big Buck Hunter 420K <laughs> until last week he rammed the plastic shotgun right through the display. Damn. After that, he got blacklisted and Pork invested in some holla sweets. <laughs> Pork is his southern name. <laughs> Wishing you and yours safety from the brutal COVIDs of Corona 19 who've just invaded the sector. Signed, okay. David S., Chief of Hollow Sweet Decumification <laughs> on Deep Dish 9. What a shitty job. P.S., it's 11. <laughs> nice. That's great. That's a good. We could talk. We could do a whole fucking podcast about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Maybe we'll save that for uh, Shoot the Shit at some yeah, point as well. Even though we just one. answered it, we'll do it even better. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about even less important things. <laughs> Our, uh, our next email is uh, from Colin Brady, and mm-hmm. it is entitled Star Trek Empires. Okay. Ahoy hoy, Trek boys. Hi. This is something that's been rattling around in my head for a while. Two of the major factions in Star Trek are the Klingon Empire and the Romulan Star Empire. Uh-huh. The thing about empires is they usually involve conquering other sovereign people and forcing them under your rule. Yes. Does that mean the Romulans and the Klingons each have several previously free and independent civilizations yes. under their control? Yeah, they talk about yes. it sometimes. Yeah, they they reference it. Uh, uh, they reference it in, in games sometimes too. Yeah. They talk about it in Deep Space Nine. That like uh, there's they talk about it twice specifically that I remember. One is when Galron like spoilers the Empire yeah. and spoilers off. Uh, he talks about how it's time for the Klingons to start conquering worlds again. Again, yeah. He's going to make Klingon great again. And then they... Ugh. Josh. Yeah. And then they... And That's then what he says. At some point, they mention that the theory is that Romul- that like Klingons have all this technology that's on par with like the Romulans. Because they stole it from Yeah, because they stole it from the civilizations they were conquering. Yeah, yeah. So they're like the Saiyans of right. Star Trek. Right. Which is why I keep doodling a Klingon and Saiyan armor over and over again. I mean, they look very similar. Like, it's very similar. <laughs> it seems like it fits so well, it doesn't works. it? It works. Yeah, it works really well. Um, if so, why don't we hear about it? Um, with the Klingons, we don't hear about it so much because they're, like, allies with the Federation. And yeah, they've since stopped with yeah, that. They don't conquer planets too much anymore, if at all. And yeah. you don't really bring up that type of shit with your allies. <laughs> Right, it it sort of wouldn't, it like wouldn't be productive, right? Like, at what point are you, you know, at what point are you gonna just like keep harping on them? Yeah, <laughs> about it, you know what I mean? Like, that, I don't that's know. That's like a that's like a thing for diplomats to work out as yeah. well, not like the yeah. front lines of Starfleet where we're usually at. Yeah, uh, the Klingons and the Romulans each talk a big game about conquering. But it's usually in reference to how they're going to fuck up the Federation in this week's episode. Not about how they conquered the great Altarians and they still rule them to this day. Oh. Yeah. No, I mean, they don't... They don't mention who they've conquered very much at all. Not too much. There's some... There's. I'm, I'm sure there... I re- vaguely remember some references to, you know, 
I think in, in Enterprise, there's like a, a, a group of people fleeing a planet that the Klingons have conquered. And Archer is like, fuck that. And he's like, you, you get diplomatic immunity. You're asylum, right? Well, that's and the cool. Klingons. It's perfect Klingons for are like, like Enterprise time. Yeah. And the Klingons are like, hey, uh, give those assholes back. And they're like, no. No. <laughs> which, eat like, my causes. Dick. Yeah, which, like, causes more tension, right? Early on, which is good. For the show. Um, also, wouldn't allying with a group that is actively oppressing people go against the Federation's morals? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. The Klingon Empire by this point has been so solidified that those planets... I th- it's mentioned in Deep Space Nine that those planets are extremely loyal to the Klingons. Yeah, and because of, like, Praxis... It's all because of Praxis, right? Like, the Klingon Empire is, like, doomed because Praxis explodes and they have yeah. no way to maintain themselves anymore so, yeah they don't uh, extend their empire past that point ever yeah yeah they're sort of like an old dying empire it's like how like other countries work with the america even though we've stolen a shit ton of land from both native peoples and other countries in order yeah, to make like, the united states of america like the Philippines and like yeah, like, like the, Cuba, the entire <laughs> west side of America we stole from other countries. So. Yeah, the west side of the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, DS Nine makes a big deal out of how horrible the Dominion is. Why don't they ever talk about the Alpha Quadrant empires? The Klingons and the Romulans can't have both built their empires on previously uninhabited planets. Uh, no, like I said, it's just entrenched at that point. Like you can't. Yeah, like what are you? What are you gonna do? You can't you know? be like you have to free these planets that don't want to be freed. Like they're part of the empire at that point. Right. It's that's like hundreds of years. Like this is like hundreds of years of history too. Yeah. Like you can't just be like, at what point do you pick? All right, this is when you're gonna have to start. Like, like anyone before this is fine, but after this is not fine, right? Like, like how do you decide? I think canonically, the last planet that gets conquered by the Klingons is the peace planet on in TOS, where like they yeah. refuse to take up arms against their captors. Yeah, yeah. And it's the episode with Kor in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's canonically the last planet that the Klingons ever try to take over, and they fail at it. So I think they fuck with some Federation planets in DS9 when they're doing their whole, like, yeah. make Klingon great again shit. Um, but I mean, that I'm gets, sure... There's a reason yeah. why that happens. Right. That there's, a di- right. there's a different reason for that. And um, also, I'm sure afterward, they're like, sorry, here you go. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> all right. That was a lot of questions. Thanks for taking the time to read and answer them. Empirically yours, Ensign Colin Brady of the USS Ada Loveless. We didn't talk about the Romulans, but yes, they're just assholes. So. Yeah, we don't ally with them very who often. Who knows, though? So. And who even fucking knows, right? Like, yeah, they could be an empire on, in name only at that point. Yeah. Like, we don't know. Well, Picard would have you believe that they only have one planet, so. Yeah, so that's unfortunate continuation of the J.J. Abrams shit. Like, why don't they just go to one of their other planets? Because they have, like, several light... Like, hundreds of light years worth of planets to pick from. Now they live in refugee camps and on the board cube. Yeah. The whole fucking message of the Romulan refugees is ruined in that, sh- in yes. that show. Uh, yes. A million times over, by the way. Oh, good. I can't wait to hate uh, it. <laughs> it's obvious that they didn't consider that was like an idea they had going in that they had to keep from like the previous revisions right and they just drop it really quickly yeah they try to don't look over here don't look behind the yeah. screen yeah. 
Um, P.S. If Josh made a Tom Brady or Brady Bunch joke, he has to put a dollar in the jar. He did not. I didn't. So, so now you, you have need to, to give a me dollar. a dollar in the Patreon. <laughs> you have to, for sure, you have to up your pledge a dollar if you already yeah. pledge. Sorry, that's how it works. <laughs> Our next email is from Lee, Lee, and it is entitled 24 Star Trek TV. Okay. Hey, Trek B-Boys. Oh, sweet. We're B-Boys. Standing in my B-Boy stance, yo. Um, Doing my B-Boy dance. I remember Kevin Smith talking about how he would write Star Wars like two stormtroopers shooting the shit. So here's my idea. Uh Uh-huh. What would you think about a Star Trek reality show where you follow a Star Trek low-ranking character as they go about their daily life? What they eat, how much they spend, uh, how long they spend on their lunch breaks? I really want to know details. Like... Where do they take a dump, and how do they wipe in the future? In the bathroom, and also the three seashells. He, he does ask, is it the seashells or yeah. octoply? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need Eight to ply toilet paper. I don't shit. need to see the whole dump, just the waist up shot. I'm sure it's a bidet. It's probably a, some kind of. It might not even be like water. It could just be like a scanner that cleans the poop off your yeah, butt. Yeah, it cleans your bee hole perfectly. Yeah, it like bleaches it. It makes it like yeah. perfect. Damn, a beautiful future. Yeah. Weirdly enough, Jeff, there is an episode of Battlestar where they do something similar to this. They like uh, steam clean your butt with lasers. Yeah, yeah, and you get to see uh, that hot robot's butthole. Uh, no, they, sweet, sweet, sweet. They, they do like a, sweet. I might watch it. Uh, they do like a like the news service does like a story on the on the fleet, right? And it's kind of like this. It's like a they they talk to like every man, right? And they like it's all like gorilla shot, like gorilla style with like handheld shit, you know. That's cool. It's 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 very similar to what he's talking about. I'm sad I don't get to see the bee hole, but that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, um, no bee hole. But <laughs> do they brush their teeth? Yes, we see that several times actually. Yeah. Uh, what kind of things break on the ship often? That's a good question. Well, like, who would, like, I mean, I guess, like, conduits. Always EPS conduits, right? Yeah. Uh, the consoles explode all the time, yeah, too. And that's probably number repli- one. Replicators break. They all ooze comes out of them a bunch. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. How do they even get into a jumpsuit that zips up from the back? That's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. How often are they actually painting the outside of the hull? It must get dinged with space debris. Nah, it's got like a shields around it, like all the yeah. time. I'm sure even if there isn't shields around it all the time, that like a they're ding the, isn't gonna hurt yeah. the surface. Also, there's like future paint. I think yeah. they're called like the navigational shields at one point. They reference that which makes is sense. like like kind of like the deflector. It like kind of like orients the ship, I guess. Yeah, you don't want space debris just, like, slamming into your ship all the time. Yeah, that's what the deflector is. It pushes it. Do they get in trouble for contraband future weed? Um, I'm sure sure regular weed is legal. Yeah. Um, However, there is a super space substance that Rafi Musiker smokes out of a vape pen Uh, called snakeweed. Snakeweed, huh? That is apparently illegal. In Picard. Of course, because it has to be like now. Um, <laughs> there was somebody who was mad that Rios smokes cigars, but like people drink alcohol in the future. Like, yeah, man, like you could probably, honestly, you could probably smoke cigars and like cigarettes and be fine. They'll just like fucking give you a new lung. 
Yeah, I'd say that like it's just pure tobacco and cigars and shit, and it doesn't like, and it's like specifically grown to not cause any ill effects. Yeah, it probably is like how the food is, right? Like you eat a chocolate cake, and it's just like eating vegetables, right? It's like just tastes like cake. Um, they could make the episode, they could make the show really rad by having the character actually be a Romulan spy, etc. <laughs> My question to you is, if this were optioned for a 24-hour TV channel, which era of Star Trek would you pick and why? TOS? Next Gen? Would you want to follow Harry Kim day-to-day? Thanks, guys. Oh, man. Live uh, long T-O- and prosper from Lee. I think TOS would be the most fun because you get to, like, 60s it up with all the 60s goofiness. Man. That would be so fucking... Like, that's... When Discovery first got announced, and I've talked about this before, I got so excited at the idea of, like, modern, like, retro futurism. Well, that's why I was excited about 2009 Star Trek. I was like, oh, we're finally going to get, like, modern, retro-futurist Star Trek original series, and then it turned out to be, like, hey, the the ship that you like, it's got big tits. Sweet. Look how big those tits are. Also, there's a Corvette that flies off a cliff. Ugh. And you were like... I was like, man, what a missed fucking opportunity to, like, make this look great. TOS would be fun, especially if you're, like, creating this show. Like, nobody's going to watch 24 hours of the same thing. That's nuts. Yeah. But if you just did, like, a regular show based on this idea. Right, like an episode, yeah. I think, especially if some of the episodes are supposed to have, like, a comedic tinge to them, like some of your questions. Right. Uh, I think it would be fucking amazing to have the TOS one. Like, the episode would start, and they'd be like, uh, like, maybe show a news report or something from the person who does the interviews, and they're like, oh, we're here with Ensign Johnson, who has run into a bit of trouble, and, like, a giant plant is, like, dangling (laughs) by his feet, slamming him around (laughs) to the walls. Right, right. Yeah. And he's he's like dangling like all beat up and he's just ah, talking yeah. he's just talking perfectly normally, like, oh this happens a lot. So it's very clerks. It's very he said uh, he talked about Kevin Smith and this reminds me of like clerks or something. <laughs> just they're just doing their day to day job. Like, well, every now and then the botany bay gets uh attacked by an alien essence from space and this'll happen. So Yeah. Yeah, we gotta clean it up. At least it's not the green hand again, you know? <laughs> that fucking guy. I would love that. Like I, like I yeah. said, I, I would not watch a 24-hour version of this. That's nuts, but... Yeah, there's something there. There's definitely, like, a, an idea there. I would not follow Harry Kim day-to-day. <laughs> no, I met him in real life, and he's just as boring. That's really mean. I don't mean oh, that. Oh, no. No, he's way... Nobody can be as boring as Harry Kim. Oh, my God. All these... Every time I open an email, it's longer than the last one. <laughs> like, I love you guys. I love your emails. I really do. But, like, we're on episode 67, 65. Like, I've said in every episode, please keep your emails short. <laughs> We'll we'll skip this one because it's really really long. <laughs> Our next email is also long, and it's okay. from Spivzy. Okay, and it says how I would change Voyager. All right. Hi Jesh and Joff. Jesh and Joff, how's I it going? It. <laughs> Spivzy Good. here with another rip roaring email. 
I'm not sure what rip-roaring means, but it's not coming up as a spelling error, so it must be a real thing, and whatever it is, this email is that. It means fun. Like, extravagantly fun. Ripping and roaring. Yeah. I've been thinking about that TV show, Voyager. I've never watched it past halfway through season two. I got as far as that episode where Kess nearly melts Tuvok's face off and he looks really funny, but I think I'm qualified enough to give some ideas on how the show could have been made better. You could have said anything there, and I wouldn't have remembered any of that. <laughs> I don't remember that I either. don't remember that at all. Uh, these aren't things I think they should have done, just stuff that I think would have made the show better, to me specifically. Mm-hmm. First off, it's not syndicated. Voyager needs an ongoing plot where each episode leads into another, and there's much more continuity. Mm, the pi- eh, that's debatable. I don't know. The pilot episode remains the same, with one big exception. In this fan recreation of the series, the EMH isn't a character. I know. Okay, but he, okay. Controversial, right? Sure. You got my attention now. I'm interested. <laughs> he sounds super interested. <laughs> He's like one of the best characters, though. But hear me out. My reasoning mm-hmm. behind this is that it's far too easy for the characters to react to medical emergencies. If Voyager is supposed to be the great unknown slash wagon train to the stars series, they should be forced to adapt and find out about the alien biology of the quadrant as they go having to patch themselves up as they did in the old days. If anything, have the EMH lose the majority of his information and need to relearn medical procedures. The show you're looking for is Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. I, That's I've watched the show it. you're looking for. Next. Jeff has definitely watched. <laughs> Next, the elephant on the ship, the Maquis. They're huh. still there, but not immediately willing to become Starfleet officers. Was one of them an elephant guy? Mm, I think so. His name was oh. Vishnu, I think. Oh, weird. That's a little on the, on the trunk. Ha-ha! <laughs> Voyager needs power struggles between the two factions. Have an episode where the Maquis officer demands that the leadership of Voyager is put to a vote. Maybe Janeway even loses the vote, but something catastrophic happened, and the Maquis who won is killed. I don't know. The I'm show you're looking here. for is Battlestar Galactica. Chakotay is still pals with Janeway, but is clearly putting the care of Maquis crewmates above Starfleet, siding with them during disputes, but still acting democratically. Until near the end of the first season, where Chakotay leads a mutiny. The Starfleet crew were forced onto a ship that was found floating in deep space with barely any of the amenities available on Voyager while the Maquis take over the old ship. The The show you're looking for is Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) The ongoing plot of Season 2 is them getting Voyager back. From this point on, Chakotay is a major villain. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. This feels like Kurtzman-like. No offense. <laughs> These are the major... I know that's a big offense. That's pretty fucking offensive, dude. <laughs> I don't know. See, here's the thing about about Voyager. It It is so weird and so nonsensical that it's almost impossible to take the characters that are in that real show that exists and make something else out of it. It's like, it's like a jigsaw puzzle... Where, like, the pieces fit, but the picture makes no fucking sense. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I think you have to, like, like, I don't even, I don't even fucking know how you fix it, to be honest with you. I don't know. I uh, don't know. He, he does continue. Okay. Uh, there are other major things I want on the show, but other little bits. Neelix is still a character. All right, I'm out. That's uh, yeah. Uh, now you're just now you're just being insane, dude. But he now you're just insane. He doesn't live on Voyager. He shows up from time to time and is a scavenger. He just help out helps out sometimes. But how would he be following them? 
How would he be super fucking funny, though, and everyone would love him? How would that happen? <laughs> yeah, how would he be with, like, because eh, they're going, like, so far. How would he uh, How would I he be know. a cool fucking clown that everyone loves, though? <laughs> how would he turn into Tuvix? <laughs> the Borg are a constant looming presence, but Seven of Nine doesn't appear until later? The show you're looking for is Battlestar Galactica. As the seasons pass, the ship starts to look less and less Starfleet. People start to wear civilian clothes rather than uniforms. They're in deep space. Nobody cares if they're properly dressed. The hallways start to get decorated. Also, time jumps between every season. Have more children mm. running around. Make it like they kind of do that. Make it like Vault 101 in space. They kind of do that a little bit. They do a time jump for Naomi Wildman. I think that's basically it. Yeah, and then like the year of hell is kind of like now this is happening, you know, which like the year of that's hell kind of sucks. But yeah, that was a a dropped ball. Yeah, I think uh, I've yeah. said that before. Yeah, I don't know. I, like these are not terrible ideas. Like I said, like the show you're looking for is Battlestar Galactica. I'm getting such deja vu from this email right now. <laughs> like I feel like in a different life I answered this exact email. We and might probably have talked about better. This. I probably answered it better there. We might have. Um, calling it Kurtzman-esque. That's too far. I apologize. Somewhat accurate. Like it's not Kurtzman-esque in how bad. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's making it. I think, like I said, with the pieces that are there already and rearranging them, it, it's very difficult to make. Another show. You'd have to like tear it down. You'd almost have to start over with like completely new everybody. Like even characters you like. Yeah, I mean, and some and like Chakotay being a villain is very much just having a different character. It's just the same guy. They kind of do that anyway in the first season with like all the Maquis, like the that Bajoran Maquis who turns out to be a secret Cardassian. Like Seska. Like Like, they do that. Sounds like a delicious sodi pop (laughs) from the (laughs) eighties. I could go for a Seska. <laughs> it's it's not Kurtzman esque because it's bad. It's not. It's that the major conflict of the series is coming between like petty squabbling. Right. As much as I don't like that the Maquis and Starfleet get along so easily, so fast, and so well, it's almost better than the alternative. Yeah. Though. It's like if that becomes the major like driving. Yes. Uh, Conflict, conflict in the yeah. series, then you're creating more of a modern trek, right? And it turns out that like getting home no longer is important, yeah, anymore. Well, it's like it's, you would have to be a fucking madman, even if you're a Maquis, to right. be like, let's mutiny in the middle of the Delta Quadrant, right? Like you, like, and that's kind of like how, like one of the things about the Maquis is like they're not insane, you know what I mean? Like no. they're kind of they're kind of just like farmers who want to be free. They're like, rational. They're not, they're not, they're not lunatics. They're yeah. rational people that feel like they've been pushed to an irrational point. Right. And as stupid as they are, they're not right. insane. They're just stupid. Right. It would be even worse if they became, like, terrorists who were like, fucking burn it all down. Fuck Voyager. Like, that yeah. wouldn't make any sense. I mean, like... like what? That's your lifeboat, man. Like, that's your whole... That's how you're gonna live. Like, you gotta be on Voyager. Like, 
There's no other choice. A lifeboat is a great analogy because it would be like you're on a lifeboat with people yes. and everybody on the lifeboat has a skill that could help you make it out alive right. and you just start throwing them overboard. And you start to like stab them in their sleep. Like, yeah. why would you fucking do that? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. we're we're all hanging out or whatever and like I voted, re- I like some guy says he voted Republican. I like if I'm on a fucking right. life buoy with this guy, I'm not going to kill him and throw him overboard. I'm not going right. to like him much, but... right. But maybe you wind up liking him, and maybe that's the story. Yeah, like you know? a little bit of conflict between the Maquis and the Federation should have happened, in my opinion. I've mentioned yes. that before. There needs but, to be a, a, a period when, like, maybe a two-part episode where, like, something happens. I don't really know. I, I've been... Who knows? And, and, like, the Maquis learn to get along with Starfleet. And vice versa. There was that no reason for them to get along right. to begin with, besides the fact that they were trapped there together. And right. like, there was in the first episode, the first couple episodes, there was like tension between them. Right. But um, there's never the a resolution. Three, but then it just goes away. That right. was that was when I say that the con- there should have been a conflict between them. Right. That's what I mean. It shouldn't have just gone away. It should have naturally reached its conclusion. Right. I, I, I like the idea of Neelix not being on board. I think Spivzy and I may have talked about this sometime before. I don't remember. Or I may have just... It's like uh, when two people come up with the same idea once... Right. I like Neelix in the very first episode where he shows up and he's like yeah. a, a roguish a type of guy. Yeah, he's kind of like kind of weird and cr- kind of cr- like you kind of think he's crazy because yeah. he's a loner. You he's know like, what I mean? He's like he's gone crazy from being by himself yeah. for too long. He's isolated. Yeah, he's like kind of nuts. Yeah. And he's like a fun sort of wild card, but then he just joins the crew and becomes the literal clown. Yeah, he's a fucking like yes man, basically. And like, as, they're just... as little as he could show up is better. Like the yeah. less he shows up, the more happy I am. Make him like the chef in Enterprise, and you just never see him. That would be a perfect show, I think. Until it's Riker. At the I end. fucking hate Neelix. Like <laughs> you do hate. I don't Neelix. hate Neelix. I just really don't like him. There are episodes that make me empathize with him, but yeah. like he's mostly like a completely self-absorbed prick. Who is? Yeah, he thinks yeah. he's the life of the party, but he's not. But you do love that gift that I send you all the time. Oh, I couldn't live without it, Josh. I you don't love know what it. I would do. You're always like, "Yo, where's that gift?" Like, and I'm like, "You can just save it to your phone, dude." No, Why Josh, you send, to send it, it to me. See, I know that's what you say. It's weird, but I'll do it because you're uh, my friend. I'm I'm glad that you're there for me with the gift I crave. I'm yeah, glad you that you're it. there. <laughs> You definitely need it. Uh, anyway, that's all I've got. Let me know what you think. Do you think a different story would have improved Voyager, or are the characters the real problem? Bye, 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 bye. Lord Spivzy uh, of Planet Castle. The castle as big as a planet. <laughs> uh, my answer to those two questions is yes. Um, I, don't, I don't think the characters are the problem. I feel like the writing of the characters is the problem. The only characters yeah. on board that, like... I really think are unsalvageable as characters are uh, Kim. If he if they gave him a personality, <laughs> yeah, like he could become like less neurotic would would be a good arc for him. He, like, they kind of hint at that, but not really like, though. What they should have done with him is he's like a greenhorn fresh out of the academy. He should have yeah. been like adventure boy. Like I want right. to go on a fucking adventure. Yeah, he should be like Johnny Quest. Like yeah. oh, I want to do this. Yeah. 
And like, like he kinda, gets into trouble like, sometimes, like he does normally yeah, on the show. Like a like, young Kirk, like he like yeah. be like a young Kirk. Exactly. Like, I want to go. Yeah. He's he's like he's too big for his britches, right? Right, right, right. Would have been cool. But uh, instead, he's I, just like a, a wiener. I think there's a problem with the characters, most of them, and I think it's a, a problem with the writing, like you said, but also a problem with who plays them. I think the actors who who play some of them are not very good. I think Chakotay's actor is not very good. Robert he's Beltran. not very good. I. I do not like Tom Paris. I I know there I, like, should have people... been a different care- actor playing him if he's supposed yes. to be the bad boy. Yes, you don't cast Howdy Doody to play the bad yeah, boy. Yeah, you don't cast Howdy Doody from fucking Masters of the Universe. No, he's <laughs> like he he's not a bad boy. He doesn't look he, like a bad boy. He's like budget. Uh, what's his name? Rocky Dennis, the uh, the guy who oh, played. Oh, that him. is so fucking mean. But uh, <laughs> not because of the way he looks. I mean, because of the actor, the guy who played Rocky oh, Dennis. Yeah, okay, I thought He's you meant like budget. real Rocky Dennis. No. I was like, God damn, not the real one, the uh, one from the movie, The Mask, when yeah. he goes, when he says, "Showtime." He says, "Somebody stop <laughs> me!" Smoking. That's what. It and then he dies of a disease. Then he dies, <laughs> and his mom is Cher. Yeah, his mom is Cher, and then she puts the mask on. What? What? <laughs> mask too. It's Cher. <laughs> Uh, like Robert Beltran's not a good actor. Like yeah. Tom Paris isn't a good actor. Like I don't know if um Harry Kim's actor, whose name Garrett is, Wang, yeah Garrett Wang. I don't know if he could be better or not. He seems like he, he has a good could. sense of humor, and that would have worked out a could. lot better. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't if, know though. Like a good way to salvage a lot of the middle part of the series is have seven of nine stories start earlier. Yes, like season two. Yeah, three, like season three at latest. At latest, yeah. And like near the beginning of season three as right. well. Causing Oliver the shit out of her real early. Absolutely. So it doesn't feel like that, which is what it absolutely is. Kess is like such an unimportant character. So pr- pointless. Fucking like, pointless. And she brings up like that Neelix is a pedophile. I don't need to deal with that. Yeah, but she's also like a real life pedophile, right? Isn't oh she? yeah, she showed her bits and pieces to a bunch of kids on a playground. She's a petter ass. That's yeah. being a petter ass. Yeah. Petter. Heard heard he's a petter ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What's a petter ass? Shut the fuck up, the Donnie. Fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> uh, I quote that way too much. Um, we should just watch that movie. We should. Thanks for the email, Spivzy. I'm sorry we kind of pooped on it. That was mean. Yeah, we. I don't mean to. I. I. I don't mean to poop on it. I think. Again, I. I'm. I don't know if, if Spivzy has watched Battlestar, but if he has, and he should, because that's a lot of what happens in his story is what happens in that show, and I love that show, so it's great. So, watch it. Yeah, everybody. If you haven't watched it, what's your fucking deal? Yeah, don't be like somebody else who I don't even know who hasn't watched it. Yeah, but, some, I mean, I can't. Some moron. Um, I can't imagine even being friends with that guy. Our next email <laughs> is from uh, Aaron Damrow. I think that's how cool it's name. spelled. It's a cool name, mm-hmm. or how it's said. It's entitled "There's Coffee in This Email." Okay. Howdy, Trek gents. How the hell are you? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> Uh, the other day, Jeff brought up on that thing everyone keeps shilling that we watched through. That's uh, the patron discord at patreon.com slash podcast. everybody, just to make sure you know. Yeah. He, that he'd watched through all of the new Picard series. I'm sure he's brought up what he thinks of it already, but I found it to be rather hit or miss and pretty mediocre overall. I can probably agree with that. 
I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, so I'm going to reserve judgment. So, it sounds difficult for you. I almost um, choked on my words. It's like, I, it's, I already know. I, I mean, I already know. Something I found off about the series was its representation of Starfleet, an ideal society in the far future that we're all trying to strive for, and how they tried to relate it to modern society, to the point where they even made future CNN canon. Uh, it's actually, with the way it pans out, it's actually a little bit more future Fox News, which I really hate. Yeah, which is even fucking worse. I think but older Trek worked best, especially Deep Space Nine, when they used an alien society much more similar to ours and held it in comparison to the Utopian yes. Federation to point out modern-day issues. 100% yes. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yes. Uh, with talks of a Janeway spinoff in a similar vein to Star Trek Picard floating around the internet... I thought I'd submit a peyote for my idea for the pilot of a Janeway series. I'll try oh and keep this brief. A peyote. And, uh, it is not brief, but I will read it. <laughs> uh, we begin with a scene in the estate of British nobles in Victorian England. After some brief mm. interpersonal conflict between the snooty 19th century nobles, Janeway enters as a Maggie Smith and Delton Abbey type character in what we find out to be a trashy hollow novel. Yeah, she loves those bodice rippers. Yeah. <laughs> Janeway is about to expose the sordid love affairs of one of the characters when an odd beeping interrupts her. Her eyes go wide and she pulls down her sleeve, revealing a bracelet with the Starfleet insignia which flashes to the sound of the alarm. Janeway presses a button on the bracelet and speaks into it, requesting five minutes so that she can get out of a ridiculous co- Is this... this Janeway, like- it's me, Zorda. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me five teenagers with attitude. <laughs> it's Neelix. Um, uh, this seems like a Rich Masters thing that you've snuck in under the radar, and I will uh, read as it, a pe- but this as is As a peyote, yeah. As, yeah I, I, see what, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um... Uh, she immediately is beamed out and rematerializes in full Victorian nobility costume in a facility at Starfleet headquarters. Uh-huh. We then meet a Tellarite, hell yeah, smirking behind the transporter console. She makes a comment about how she would have given Janeway the time if the situation wasn't so urgent, as well as a remark about how Tellarite friendships are based on constant ribbing and humiliation. Janeway. Yeah, they, they should just say, like... <laughs> She should just call her that. Call her fucking Mrs. Whatever from Downton Abbey. That's what a Tellarite would do. They would just make fun of her. I love Tellarites. Um, They're great. Janeway and thus the audience are briefed on the situation as they walk through the facility in a frantic comms room. The two of them are their species representatives on the Federation Council of Xeno Relations, a division of Starfleet tasked with diplomatic relations between the Federation and alien civilizations. My Typically God. when making direct first contact. Uh-huh. This situation, however, is an outlier since A, the first contact envoy refuses to establish visual communication, and B, their massive fleet of ships showed up in Earth's orbit. What the fuck? Jesus. We're filled in on more details about the mysterious civilization making contact, how their ship's technology is much more sophisticated than anything seen within the known Federation, how the species at the other end of the line seems to be incredibly condescending, how they already know so much about the planet Earth, and how, most importantly, they specifically requested the presence of Captain Janeway. Mm -hmm. With a little bit of effort, Janeway is able to convince the ship leading the fleet to establish visual communication. As the static from the communications screen fades, a look of shock comes across Janeway's face. 
staring back at her from the view screen was a species she never wished to meet again. The no. Voth. Oh, the Voth. Yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. The Voth representative stated that Earth, being their progenitor planet, was rightfully theirs to claim, and that any retaliation from the Terran people would be met with extremely deadly force. Hey, you should play Star Trek Online. <laughs> the Council of Xeno Relations discuss among themselves the best course of action and come to the conclusion that Earth is indeed the homeworld of the Voth, and they therefore cannot deny their request to return. The rest of the show would go into the conflict between Earth the Federation, and the Federation with its neighboring influence of the Voth, how their authoritarian Ministry of Elders is the antithesis of what Star Three, Starfleet represents, how their masses are controlled through a massive communications network full of information and yeah, xenophobia. They're like and, communist China. That's and, what they are. And how their technological capabilities allow for espionage and subterfuge, the like of which the Federation has never seen before. They're now America is what they are. Right. <laughs> right well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Same thing. I apologize if my first email went a little long. I was originally going to make this a post on the Discord, but figured it would be better to write in and have y'all discuss it. I'll try and no. make it a habit to email more in the future. That's I'll be a good, at shorter ones. That's a good... I, I like it. Uh, I'm going to pitch it, especially if we can get some uh, Starfleet versus Dino Riders action going on, <laughs> which, you, which you get in STO. Um, there's a story about the Voth in STO, and and like all, all this shit that sort of happens with them, um, yeah, I think I think it's pretty cool. I think yeah. using the Voth as a direct antithesis to Starfleet and a representation of now is smart. Is smart and a hell of a lot more tactful yes. use of Star Trek as a franchise. Yes, agreed. It, um, pitch it. I'm pitching it. I think having Earth sort of dangling in the balance between these two powers is evocative because it's something we care about now. Right, right, right. Um, I'm, I'm going to pitch it. I'm definitely going to pitch pitching it. I'm pitching it, too, yeah. I, I love that Janeway's best friend is a Telluride. <laughs> yeah, I want to see more, like, man, that's all I ever want from any of this shit, even with Star Wars. Just fucking put some Twi'leks in there, man. Like, fucking stop making new shit and put sprinkle some of the good stuff in there already. Yeah. They already did all the fucking work for you. I agree. There's some background Andorians and Tellarites in um, Picard, but none of them are named characters. They don't get to talk, yeah, because they're too busy being elves. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Got lot, a lot elf. of Romulans in the series. <laughs> Um, we also learn in that series, I don't know, if, it's not a spoiler, they only mention it passingly, that the forehead ridges that some Romulan, that Romulans have post-TOS sure. are a racial feature. Romulans sure. from the north have them, Romulans from the south don't. Okay, that works for me, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Whatever. <laughs> although it brings up the question of like... Why was that? Was that like a Vulcan thing too? And it was like a could have racial been, divide. It could know. have been just a genetic anomaly that one of them had. You know what could I mean? Be. Could just have been one Vulcan kind of looked like that. I'm fine with that as long as it doesn't go back to being a race war. I'm not big on race wars. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like watch a race war. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. big on that. Um, yeah, no thanks. Uh, he signs take care Trek boys Captain Aaron Damrow of the USS Shenandoah B. Uh, Mr. Aaron, you know you have a Star Wars name, right? That is a, that is a Star Wars name. He cannot answer me, so I'm assuming he's saying yes. He's, of course, of course. I'm, I'm I think it's pronouncing his name. 
Could be a, a, a not a he. I don't know. No, Aaron's a he. Okay. He's on the Discord. Um, A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron. <laughs> I've already said that to him before. Sorry. sorry. A.A. Ron Rodgers. I'll, <laughs> I'll put a dollar in the thing. It's a... Uh, it's a good idea, and I'm behind it. I think it's cool. I would especially yeah. love it, like, if we're going to go the nostalgia route and have one character come back, yeah. I want it to be Tuvok. Yes. Like, he's the, Yeah, obviously. Like, you can even do, like, seven. Put fucking seven. Mix them up. I don't know what happens to her in the show. She has, Probably. like, a, a specific role in the future that might not allow for it. So know. she's, like, the queen again now? Okay. No. <laughs> no, she is not. Hmm. <laughs> Um, thanks for the email, A.A. Ron Damrow. We appreciate it. It's probably not how it's pronounced. I probably mm. fucked it up. And our last email of the evening, as always, is Alternate Picard, Episode 9, The Finale, Part 1, by Rich Masters. Oh, my God. Hollowed greetings, gentlemen of the honored realm of Trekking Shire. <laughs> It's it's me, Rich. You know, that guy with the long emails. All right, uh-huh. that's enough of that. I think I've talked to Rich before. I've mentioned it before that, like, there's absolutely no way his emails could fit into one episode. Yeah. Like, he's sending three episodes, maybe four episodes worth of content per episode. Yeah. But that's fine. <laughs> it fits into one episode of M-Class Email, so that's fine. Hell yeah. Previously on alternate Star Trek Picard, Locutus has arisen. Taking over Jean-Luc Picard and capturing his daughter Dodge, he puts his final plan into place, the assimilation of the entire galaxy. Jeez, overachiever much? Damn. Got him. With Dodge's origins now uncovered, we learn that she is a biological veniculum capable of creating a subspace link with biological entities. Nice veniculum. What a gross word. Yeah. Um, With the crew of the Titans saved by Data's quick thinking and the crew of the Stargazer being ex-Borg, they become the chance the universe has. But the cost has been high. The entire cooperative fleet and the assimilation of Rafi Musiker. Uh-oh. Will our heroes have to kill Picard in order to save us all? Will they find a solution in time? Will Jeff be able to resist reading this in an old-timey radio announcer voice? The answer and is now, no. the conclusion. <laughs> I did for a while. Until I saw that. And then, and then just immediately clicked in, you know. A bruised-necked Seven stands over the stirring hue and helps him to his feet. He's fine except for the standard stun headache. Remembering what he was doing, he suddenly bolts upright, demanding to know where Lore is. If he escaped... Seven throws a thumb over her shoulder. Note, not an actual disembodied thumb. More the gesture. <laughs> Thanks for the for the heads up on that yeah, one. I thought there was like a thumb creature. I was, <laughs> I was like, is there a thumb alien here? Uh. In a bed in the back, Lore is caring for Rafi. He works behind a force field, number one at his feet. Did you reprogramming him? Asked a confused Hugh. <laughs> Androids have good hearing, you know. Lore speaks loudly. Oh, I know, responds Hugh. How is she? Lore reports he sedated her, that he suggests they euthanize her. At the other's horrified expressions, he then quickly says, If you prefer, I could let her free to assimilate you. Seven mm. orders him to secure her for now. 
How do they make? How do they get them out of Picard? Like just fucking take them out. Yeah, it's like if you're a named character, you'll be fine. Yeah, but if you're like a nobody, you get shot like that nerd yeah. does in first contact. <laughs> Help me. Gets fucking killed. No, fuck you. Yeah, you're gonna die. You're dead. He's better off dead. Um, <laughs> the three, along with number one, make their way to the bridge where the assimilated USS Saleya looms large on the view screen. Cool. Seven reports it's been sitting there for hours doing nothing. It's as if it's waiting for the Stargazer to make their repairs so that it can destroy it in a fair fight. La- Lore laughs at fair fight. On the Salea, Locutus stands on the bridge next to the captain's chair. He stares at it, but refuses to sit. Progeny asks if they should destroy the Stargazer. No. Let them suffer as long as possible. Let them watch their galaxies end. Our Damn. fleet is almost in place. This vessel should move into position as well. I got that reference to the Borg Queen. I got. I hear you there. To New Romulus. What? The ship moves slowly away, leaving the Stargazer lying dead in space. Back on the Stargazer, Hugh detects a distress call not far from their position. Title, Such Stuff That Dreams, Part 1. It's a very Star Trek name. The crew of the Titan race to repair their damaged ship while attempting rescue missions on the remains of the cooperative Borg cubes. Riker walks down the hall as his, co- his commanding officer, Dr. Salar, joins him. How many, yeah. he asks. I'm pretty fucking psyched Salar is here. Yeah. Salar reveals they were able to save 42 out of nearly 6,000 cooperative. Ugh. The next... The news stops Will in his tracks. He asks if Icheb knows, and Salar touches the wall panel. It turns transparent to reveal Icheb at a bio bed, holding the hand of one of the dead ex-drones. His wife, Salar explains. Cold, dude. Fuck, man. Sorry, Icheb. In engineering, Deanna Troy is assisting the engineering crew and trying not to crash the ship, I assume. That's she also can, cold-blooded. She can fly. Come on. She crashes the ship because it's fucking on fire and exploding. Yeah, yeah man. That's, Everybody's so on. mean to poor Troy. <laughs> Along with Captains Data and Tavir, Data explains that he and Tavir have been working to identify the source of the signal that attempted to assimilate the crew. Data and Tavir overlap and finish each other's sentences as they explain the situation, much to Deanna's amusement. They've ascertained the signal was Borg in origin, and if Data hadn't have cancelled out said signal, it would have assimilated them all completely. The signal works by returning individuals' brainwaves to a frequency compatible with Borg command. Uh-oh. With a smile, Deanna asks how working together is going. Tavir seems surprised at the question, and confirms that it is an efficient and rewarding partnership. Ooh, they're gonna get down fully functional style. <laughs> Data nods, confirming that the pair do anticipate each other's needs. Deanna- God, this is already better than the stupid show that already exists. <laughs> Deanna suggests they were made for each other, and stops Data before he can remind her Tavir is not an android, with an, I'm joking, Data. <laughs> A tense Riker arrives, telling Data and Tavir he wants an update. Data tells Will he needs more time, that they're lacking crucial information. Riker is curt in his response, telling him to get it done, and that he intends to leave as soon as the Titan is able. He leaves and Troy follows, a placating hand to Data to let him know things are okay. Troy follows Riker into the turbo lift, 
and despite his protestations that he's fine, she halts the lift and says he obviously has forgotten who he's speaking to. An empath, he asks. No, your wife, replies Deanna. Whoa! Fucking pulling out the wifey card. Riker admits he's struggling. He could feel the Borg in his head. He lost his control, his discipline. Troy reminds him everyone did. If he thinks he has it bad, he needs to think about how it affected people like Tavir or Dr. Salar. Yeah. How do how you think the fucking Vulcans like it? But yeah, that, man. But that's not the real issue, is it? Troy asks. We saved him once, Deanna, and all it cost was 39 ships and 11,000 lives. What's it going to cost this time, Riker sighs? Hmm. It will cost what it always does. Everything we're prepared to give. Deanna kisses Will and restarts the turbo lift. Great line. Just be thankful we left the kids with my mother. Riker smiles. (laughs) Perhaps she would have been useful if there's anyone who can stop Jean-Luc Picard in his tracks. It was Luxwana (laughs) Troy. Man, this is so much better than... This is all... This is great. This is so good. And then Loaxana comes on board and it's just her episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the second to last episode. It's just a Loaxana episode. As Riker takes his chair on the bridge, sensors detect an approaching ship, prompting prompting the old classic, Shields up, red alert, cry from Riker. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. But shields aren't fixed, and the red alert flashes once and then fizzles out. He sighs and then shakes his head at Deanna and laughs. Good. (laughs) A lieutenant in the back somewhere reports an old Constellation class on sensors. Registry identifies it as the Stargazer. Yeah. On Bolius, a girl what? and her mother peer through a telescope in their backyard. The haircut planet? Yeah, the planet where haircuts are made. <laughs> Dude, I need to go to Bolius. I need a fucking haircut. I just shave my head like the Bolians do. <sighs> Smart. <laughs> if I shave my head, that's fucking it for my hair, so I'm trying to yeah. hold on to it. Well, that's, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> the woman tells her daughter that the moon is going through a slight orbit and phase change, common for their third moon. The child is enraptured until she sees something cross in front of the moon. The mother takes a look and recoils in horror at the Borg cube reflected on the lens. Oh, fun. The senior crews of the Stargazer and the Titan meet in the Titan's briefing room along with Icheb. There are various embraces for characters. Seven and Icheb, Riker and Hugh. While they all greet each other, Data and Lore stare at each other unblinkingly through the crowd. Damn. They all take their seats. On the Salea, Locutus watches a screen showing the movement of the Borg fleet. Ten hours until every ship is in position, Progeny reports. Locutus nods, but his attention is solely focused on Earth. That's where I live. (laughs) Oh shit, that's where my house is. (laughs) That's where all my stuff is. (laughs) After bringing each other up to speed on what has happened, Lore stands, moving with the display panel in the Titan's briefing room while everyone else watches him with suspicion. His plan was simple. Locutus came to liberate me to place my brother's body with my own. To replace my brother's body with my own. He thought I'd make a better choice for his new Borg Soong army. Why, asked Riker. Data would seem the obvious choice. Actually, Captain, lore is correct, says Data. (laughs) My brother's disdain for rules and loathing of humanoid life would make him the perfect template. 
I see. And Dad thought I was the smart one. Laura agrees and goes <laughs> on. In return, Locutus promised to leave my brother and I alone. Hmm. Data is shocked and asks why he would trade the galaxy for him. Because you're my brother, Lore says, abashed. Aw, that's disturbing. <laughs> More lies. Are you conveniently forgetting the times you tried to kill him? Hugh scoffs. I admit we've had a few differences of opinion. <laughs> but I hoped when he saw the lengths I was willing to go through. Seven snaps. What changed, Lore? What made you betray Locutus? I saw what Dodge really was. She'll be the end of everything. Musiker is just the start. Like with Rafi, Dodge will allow the Borg signals to override any independent organic thought, and with each person assimilated, the signal will be stronger. Systems leading to sectors, sectors to quadrants, nothing will be safe. Icheb asks what Damn. next, and Data suggests that now Lore has brought this information, along with whatever else was on Laura Graham's files, he and Tavir could find a potential strategy. Lore says he'll help to the surprise of everyone. Yeah, help himself to stealing something or, I don't know... Doing some bad stuff. <laughs> doing lore shit. On their way to the lab, Data tells Lore if he tries to betray him this time, he'll be forced to destroy him. Nice. On Vulcans, three monks walk in the desert. Their leader tells fucking them the quicker monks. their pay... <laughs> fucking monks. <laughs> fucking monks. Their leader tells them to quicken their pace, lest the shadows draw in for a cold Vulcan night. When one of the other monks points out that sunset should not be for another 38 minutes, the trio turn to find a Borg cube slowly blotting out the sun. Whoops. Not Vulcan. <laughs> That's scary. That's a cool planet that I like. <laughs> Just fucking destroy Bolius. Who can? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Any Bolians listening? <laughs> On the Titan, people break up into groups. Seven and Echeb talk about the Voyager crew. Stories about Tuvok and Neelix that are probably more interesting than fifty percent of the actual show. I Damn. kid. I kid. No, you're no, you're right. Troy and Hugh discuss how long it's been. That the conversation turns sour as Hugh realizes his part in all of this. How he's been manipulated. Troy consoles him, saying that it sounds like even Jean-Luc was manipulated, that Hugh couldn't have predicted this. The man she knew would never do this. Hmm. In the lab, Lore puts a hand on Data's shoulder. Believe it or not, I am very happy to see you, brother. I've missed you. Lore <laughs> introduces himself to Tavir, suggesting that he could be her new brother in Lore. Oh, no. <laughs> Rich, I think you're fired, man. I think you're done. It's a shame we'll never know how this ends, but... Uh, all right, all right. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. She, it's, is it? She gives it's his fine. sarcasm short shrift. They use Graham's information about the biological funiculum to posit that the Borg's fleet deployment might be to create a neural net to capture any living thing in its shadow. Each Borg cube visits crucial points in the chain. Fascinating, Data and Tavir exclaim simultaneously. Oh, man, they're going to mac so hard. Dude, I should far. I should Yeah, yeah. On the bridge of a beleaguered Klingon ship, the captain sits among fizzing tactical panels and dead crew. 
He orders a collision course. Yes, fuck yes. The bird of prey rams into a Borg cube that easily brushes it off, then explodes. The cube continues its course to Kronos. And we get that cool music from the movies, the the Klingon theme that they bring up when Worf comes into first contact with the Defiant. Ramming speed! Ramming speed! And then, uh, what's his name is like, in that movie, (laughs) uh, the guy from Parks and Rec, the the funny man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I forget his name because I'm stupid right now. Uh, Riker, Data, and Tavir join the crew of the Stargazer in the transporter room, and Will relays the plan. The Titan, its warp drive still not fully repaired, will head to the closest Borg cube and try to obtain the signal data needed to map the network. Once hmm. they have that, they'll relay the position of the weakest Borg vessel, the Salea, and the Stargazer will destroy it by any means necessary. See what the see what Rich is doing now? He's like laying out what's needed to happen in the show. Amazing. It's a real plan that characters remember, have that makes sense. Remember when shows did that? Yeah. Seven agrees. It should hopefully break the net and mean that they can work out a way to deal with the twenty Borg cubes. Riker smirks. When you say it like that, I think I'd rather be on Ryza. <laughs> yeah, with my whore gun. <laughs> and then also that statue that lets you fuck. <laughs> One other thing. Tavir will be going with you and assuming command. Seven raises an eyebrow. The hell she will. No offense hmm. to the captain, but this is our ship. Which you stole, points out Tavir. Yeah. By Borg law, that makes it ours, Hugh shrugs. Consider it assimilated. <laughs> Borg. It's like, like fucking maritime law. <laughs> Pirate law. Tavir looks at Riker. Given their competence and our time pressure, I see no harm in serving the ship rather than leading it. But I need to go with you. The Salea was my vessel. I need to help liberate it. Seven nods and they step on the pad. Not coming, brother? Asks Lore. Data says he's the only one fast enough to break the Borg encryption and get the information they need. Also, with comms down, the only way they can communicate is through a special communicator linked to the pro- to the Positron net, which Data pass- passes to Lore. Mm. Lore hugs his brother and tells him that he has faith in him. He turns on his heel and beams onto the Stargazer with the rest of the crew. Nice. At Starfleet we headquarters... Admiral Necheyev, who is still alive somehow, oh, I added no. that part myself, oh, no. deploys ships to confront the incoming board cube, but her monitors suddenly show nothing but static, and the cup on her desk starts to shake. It's a Tyrannosaurus board. Oh no! <laughs> They've assimilated the dinosaurs! Shit, That's what really happened to them. In his office. Who killed the dinosaurs? Me. <laughs> the Ice Age. Uh, in his office, Riker tries to record a captain's log, but abandons it and instead records a letter to Jean-Luc he knows will never be received. My friend, I don't know if you're out there. If you are, I don't know if we can save you. I've tried to warn Earth, Vulcan, Andor, Ferenginar, even the Orion Syndicate. I tried to warn them about the signal, but there's too much interference from the Borg. He sighs. When you were last in this position, it took the advice of a friend to make me understand I needed to let you go in order to save you. I did that. To an extent. The things I kept were the faith you put in me. The freedoms and respect you gave for me to be the man that I am. I never forgot that. And I never will. Data interrupts over the comm. 
they've located the cube. That's a great speech, man. I like that. Yes. So good. The Stargazer heads back through Romulan space, Seven anticipating that Locutus would send the ship towards Earth. Tavir agrees. The Titan engages the cube in a series of darting maneuvers, and though the new and improved Titan is holding his, its own much better than the previous Starfleet vessels, it's still taking a beating. Data encourages the captain to hold course, that he should be able to crack the Borg transmission codes shortly. Meanwhile, Locutus twitches, feeling the attack on the ships. He leaves the bridge of the Solea. The Stargazer gets word from the Titan that the Solea is entering the new Romulan system. Seven changes course at maximum warp. So like warp two? (laughs) In modern warp, it probably is warp two. Locutus enters engineering and walks over to Dodge in her Viniculum prison. She stares up at her father, pleading with him, What do you want from me? Locutus studies her as a scientist would a laboratory mouse. He tells her that she will be part of something bigger, something better. That she should feel the human emotion of pride while she can. Hmm. Dodge begs him to reconsider, to remember who he really is. Locutus just stares at her. The Titan's in a bad way. And is suffering heavy damage. Riker checks the Stargazer received the message, data confirming that it has then gives an abandoned ship order. What? But before he can before he's even finished, another ship arrives to place its shield around the Titan it's and the warp Enterprise. it away. The Titan receives a hail. The Stargazer drops out of warp shortly behind the Celea and starts firing everything it has at the ship. So what, like one phaser? <laughs> it shoots its one phaser bank and its ten photon torpedoes. <laughs> well, we're out. Time to go. The cube continues on, nearly in position. I had dreams. A future, Dodge cries. Locutus replies, dreams are... He freezes, open-mouthed. Then his body language completely changes. We are the stuff that dreams are made of, he says, before shaking his head, as if shaking free of whatever happened. It was Picard. He's in there. He's in there. Dodge looks shocked by his response. Locutus reacts violently and angrily tells her that dreams are irrelevant. We don't need you. We need no one. (laughs) He activates the vaniculum, watching his daughter double up in pain. As Dodge falls, she presses her hands against the the container. Locutus slowly presses his own against the glass. A flash (laughs) of images assail Locutus' mind. A flute. A vineyard. A tiger fish. A Mentakan tapestry. The plaque on the Enterprise Bridge. Locutus separates from the vaniculum and looks down at his own hands before leaving engineering. Goddamn Darth Vader, dude. Futile, he whispers. On the Stargazer, the four crew, the four-man crew, crew stand Uh up on the bridge, dumbfounded. They failed. They watch on the view screen as the Borg signal spreads around the Alpha and Beta quadrants. Earth, Vulcan, Teller Prime, Andor, Zenkenthi, New Romulus. Zenkethi, New Romulus, all the planets shine green as they are linked. 
Hugh falls to his knees, clearly overcome. Well, that's that then, Lord cheerily says. <laughs> Drop me off at the nearest unaffected planet so I can kill as many people as possible while I still have the chance. <laughs> The, the Salea doesn't even fire back, just moves slowly into a synchronous orbit off Romulus and stands down, pulsing with a greenish tinge. Suddenly, proximity alarms go off and Hugh rushes to tactical. It's the Titan, he reports, along with a Borg cube. A cooperative ship? asks Seven. If it is, it's putting out far more power than any other cube I've ever seen. Seven rushes to Hugh's station, virtually virtually pushing him to one side as she checks the readings frantically. No, she mutters. Laura goes to Ops as one of the comms panels begins to chime. They're hailing us. As Seven nods to answer the hail, Riker appears on screen. Next to him, standing as if she was just some visiting dignitary, is the Borg Queen. What the hell is she doing? What the fuck? Seven of nine. How wonderful to see you again, she oh, says. No. To be concluded. Uh-oh. Oh, that could happen in an hour. That was a, a regular length episode. Yeah. That was great. That was fucking awesome, dude. There were so many... I had to stop several times to point out how much I liked things, even. Yes, I know. It's, it's, so, it's so good. I mean, we say it all the time, but um, it's... I've never read some... I don't read a whole lot of fan fiction. Yeah. But I've never read any fan fiction of anything and then started shipping characters, but somehow you've right. done it with Data and Tavir. Yeah. No, this is this is great. This is... I feel like they need to, like, see this. Like, the people who make Star Trek need to, like, actually read this. Oh, yeah. Because it's fucking so much better than anything. He, he finishes up the email by saying, so it turns out that the Borg Queen was the Borg Queen all along. <laughs> How's that for subverting Josh's expectations? Wow. <laughs> Super subverted. You got me. <laughs> that makes 33 consecutive episodes of Star Trek that I've written. What's Damn, one dude. more, eh? I don't know what my plans are after this. Definitely a little break. A break. Yeah, definitely. You've definitely earned it. Cause yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. Big finale next time. I sorely hope everyone likes it. This project has been a whole butt ton of work far beyond TNG Season 8. Sorry, Rich. <laughs> so until we meet next at the same M-Class time, same M-Class channel, Rich. Soon to be that guy in Westerns always making coffins on the USS seriously looking forward to Pizza Man's Western collection. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, Pizza man. man. Pizza Man. Pizza Man. Don't post Pe- feet. Pizza, Pizza Man. Pizza Man. Pizza no man. more feet. <laughs> man. Rich Masters classing up the program yet again. Ugh. God, it's so. I don't even. I can't even. I, there's nothing I can say. Yeah. I, there's. I, whatever. You Just know, it's. <laughs> it's you know great. How everybody is like uh, reading excerpts from like books and stuff now to like yeah. entertain people during the virus lockdown. Yeah. We've been doing that for how many episodes of M Class Email? 33. We, we were so far ahead of the curve with Rich yeah. Masters. We were ready. Yeah. Good thing we found him, and it's, I'm going to take all the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
really rich should probably just have his own show where he reads his own stories, but he's he too should. much of a fucking coward, so I'll read them for him. He should. It's They're too good, man. We take credit for his work, which is pretty they're, fucked up. So they're too good. They're too good for this show, for sure. I agree. But I agree. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. though, Rich. Thank you for writing in. He just finished this today. Oh so. my god! Amazing, though. It's so good. Damn. God damn, it's so good. It is having watched actual Picard. It is better than actual Picard yes. for sure. Having not watched it, I already I already knew that. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that email, Rich. I am excited beyond all measure for the I'm finale ready. of Star Trek Picard, the alternate season. I'm ready. And thank you to everybody who wrote in. Uh, we yes, appreciate your you. emails. I, I know that there's probably a few people who were going to send an email in, and they got mad that I said that things were too long and they're never going to send another one in. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, send your emails. Um try to keep them uh, obviously a little shorter we so like we do the show it takes it takes us like five hours to do all this yeah shit. yeah so well also that's like, not super long but you know i did say that aaron's email was long and it turned out to actually not be that long so sometimes i apologize i apologize to aaron for that sometimes we go on about something for like quite a long time which, which is, is the way we, we are yeah <laughs> But we did get an email that was exceptionally long that we didn't read. I'm sorry about that. It Maybe was almost time. as long as Rich Master's email. So It's cr- fucking crazy. Uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in. Thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you, most of all, beyond anything else, to our patrons yes. who have kept us fed and clothed during this epidemic. Yes, thank you. And, uh, honestly, seriously, it, yeah. it, it really helps both of us. Absolutely. Uh, it, I know everyone's really fucked up right now from all this, so we really appreciate it. We extra appreciate that like you guys are putting money forth to support us when things yes. are so rough for a lot of you. That yes. means a lot to us, and it lets us know that you want us to keep doing what we're doing pretty badly, and we want to keep doing what we're doing pretty badly. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much. I hope we can be a beacon of... At least distraction, a beacon of distraction. That's as, maybe that's as best as we can get right now. But hopefully we get hopeful we're that. sometimes. Yeah, um, <laughs> we talk about Star Trek, which is hopeful. Yeah, that's uh, us being hopeful. If you want to support us, and we understand if you can't, but we do definitely appreciate if you can, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/MClassPodcast, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to a lot of great content. Yeah, thank you Show. so much, patrons. You get the show a week early. <laughs> yeah, you do get email a week early, which is pretty which is dope. Yeah, it's like double the double the fun, double mint gum. Oh God, why don't they give us money to advertise for them? I don't know. Shoo-wee, doo-wah, 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 doo-wah. That's Mentos. It's, it's better with time <laughs> with spearmint, fresh and good. Did you time. like Mentos? I never did. I love Mentos actually. I never liked them. They're weird. They are weird, and that's why I like them. <laughs> they're very weird mint that doesn't make your mouth any better. They're smelling. not minty. So yeah, they're, they they're taste like, good, though. Yeah. I actually really like the fruit Mentos. I think those are way uh, better. I don't know if I've ever had the fr- I've only had the, the white ones. I don't. I usually don't buy the white Mentos. I always get the fruit Mentos. Um, You're a thank monster. Thank you to Mentos. <laughs> 
Uh, follow us on Twitter at MClass Podcast, and we'll be back in a week's time with more MClass goodness. Oh, bye bye. Babylon. Eat, pray, live, laugh, love, Babylon. Don't touch anyone. Don't touch your face. Bye.